0: Hello, hello. Welcome back. I'm Marina Schifferman. Welcome to the Real Estate Queens podcast. So I'm going to start this episode by telling you what's going on in the market. It has been a crazy couple of weeks here in San Francisco real estate, to say the least. June was super quiet, very relaxed, None of my clients were reaching out to me, no no activity, nothing was really happening. The beginning of July was sort of similar, but the last couple of weeks have been completely different. So we all have heard the mortgage interest rates saga, but San Francisco is affected a little bit differently than the rest of the country. The clients here buying real estate are wealthy and smart. And so they are not as affected by interest rates. Like I had a, a client today, just went on some showings with my client, and, and he was like, Interest rates going down and up. I don't really care about that. That's not really affecting me. But what is affecting everybody here? is housing prices because interest rates will affect some people who are skittish to get out of the market and that will affect housing prices. So that's what we've been seeing here, like the condo market in San Francisco has really slowed down. I always say like when the real estate market takes a hit, slows down, condos are the first thing to take a hit. Single family homes, not as much. Because single-family home is like the creme de la creme. Everybody wants a single-family home, and there just are not that many in San Francisco, let alone in desirable neighborhoods, let alone nicely remodeled. I mean, I sell a lot of really nice single-family homes. So at the beginning of June, I had like two people in my open houses. So like when I sell a house, I do open houses. And it's not just me. I work with another, another badass woman real estate agent. We were selling a house. Two people in my open houses. Not that many. One offer. Last weekend, I had 60 people in my open house. I was selling two houses. Two Saturday, two on Sunday, doing open houses for each. 30 people in each day both houses. So people are back. People are out here looking. And that's funny like when did this mortgage interest rate saga begin? Not that long ago. Like pre Fourth of July everybody was freaking out I actually. Um last week or a couple weeks ago I did a blog post and podcast saying that people are freaking out and they shouldn't be freaking out because they just need to put it into perspective. Like just listen to that podcast because I'm not going to say it again. But people are out here looking. People are looking. Condos are slower. I This one particular buyer is looking for a condo. This one condo was on the market for 82 days. We went to see it today and lo and behold, they got an offer. So we would have to be playing ball with them. An offer at higher than asking, but the but the seller wanted more. That's another thing, guys. If you are looking to buy real estate in San Francisco, condos are priced differently than single-family homes. Traditionally, the list price and the sales price vary by 20%. Traditionally, the houses are listed for 20% under where it's going to go. That's just how it is. That's traditional. You just need to know that. But since the condo market has been shifting, I'm seeing a lot more agents pricing condos right where they want them to go, which could be very confusing for some people who don't have a real estate agent or don't know what's up. Because like, let's take, for example, my client went to go see a condo today, priced at 1,095 it is priced to sell at 195 even a little bit below that and people that don't know that could think it's going to go to 2322 because that's just historically what condos do prices but i know better but single family homes it's just not like that anymore you're still you're still having bidding wars and why It's because of competition, because everybody wants a single-family home. Everyone's fighting over them because they're not building anymore in San Francisco, and they're building lots of condos here in San Francisco. So people are not fighting over condos as much as single-family homes. So that's what I've been seeing in the market. Way more people looking like all of a sudden like bulls out of a china shop just bam last weekend. Condos selling at a slower rate single family homes also selling at a slower rate, but still selling. So that's my little market update for you before I get into it. So I've been thinking what to have this podcast this week, what what I should talk about, what subject I should talk about, but I haven't been able to do a podcast for the last couple of weeks because I have been so busy with clients, buyers and sellers. And I thought like, Maybe you guys would be interested in hearing how my life is going. I know that shows like Selling Sunset A Million Dollar Listing are like popping. They're all the rage. And I just thought, why don't I make my own on this podcast? Why don't I just take this time? Because it's my podcast. You ladies love me. You're here with me every single week. Let me just talk about what's really going down Okay, so I'm just going to dive right into it. Let me take a sip of my tea. Excuse me. I have mint tea, fresh mint leaves, and hot water. Mm. Could have edited that out, but I'm not going to. Let's talk about some transactions I have right now. So I'm working with one particular buyer, he's a real estate developer. So he buys shitty homes and completely remodels them and sells them. And I've done a couple transactions with him already. We're in two right now. The first one. The first one was your traditional sale. We're in contract now. It was a traditional sale, meaning that there is a listing agent working with the seller. They put it on the MLS. My buyer found it, emailed it to me. We went to go see it. We were in communicate. I was in communication with the listing agent. They were in contract at at a price at 1.1. Complete fixer, ladies. Complete disgusting fixer. And the weird thing is the seller is living there. Like, I walked in yesterday, dust smells like dust, smells like mold, disgusting, old laminate floors, like, inoperable kitchen. Where does he shower? Where does he use the bathroom? It's, like, disgusting, and he lives there. I just don't understand that. Anyway, beside the point, they were in contract. They listed it at 1-5, crazy. They were in contract at 1-1 when I called the listing agent he was like this is gonna fall out of contract I know it is so why don't you reach back to me in a couple days it fell out of contract and we offered 900 and we got it that was great I we submitted the offer on Thursday night and I didn't hear back until Friday night I was out with friends at a comedy club and I get a text congratulations and so that was great and then I let everybody know, title, escrow, my TC, got to loop everybody in, the buyer, all that good stuff. So we had a two-day inspection contingency, as my client does. It, now, not it's not a normal thing to have any contingencies in San Francisco, but this investor does because he wants two days to walk in with his architect, with his contractors, and just kind of feel it out. So we had a two-day inspection contingency that I wrote in writing that begins on Monday because we got in contract on Friday. So actually day one is Saturday. Day two is Sunday. And our two-day inspection contingency is two days. So I wrote that it begins on Monday. So we have until Tuesday night at midnight. On Sunday night, this real estate agent has the audacity to email me a two-day notice to perform or quit, saying that he has other interested buyers. Now, if you're not familiar with this form, it is exactly what it is. It says that you have two days to perform whatever you've got to do. In this case, it was inspections and remove your contingency or the seller will kick you out of contract. They were saying that I had to get my the buyer had to get his initial deposit into escrow and remove our financing contingency within two days. But that's a very aggressive and unprofessional, unlike realtor realtor move because I have a two day financing. I am sorry, I have a two day contingency. I am getting my initial deposit into escrow within two days. You don't need to intimidate me. Tell me you have other people interested and send me that notice. Because what's he doing? He's showing me that he wants to kick me out of contract. Because let's say that I do not remove my contingency within that two days. Then he gives me a two day notice to perform or quit. And then I have four days, you know, you see. So I mean, he did what he had to do for his client, I guess. But it was really, really a dick move. Of course, it's a guy. Like, not even calling, not even a courtesy, not even communication, nothing. And also being very difficult. Like, when you have an inspection contingency, the listing agent is required by law to give you access to the property. He is not required to know what inspections you're doing, anything like that. The amount of times this guy texted me asking me, I'm not, before I let you in, what inspections are you doing? And I would say, general, just visual. He wants to walk through it with his contractor. I assume it's going to be a half an hour. And I was like, why do you assume that? It's going to take as long as it's going to take. You're going to provide access. What's the inspection? What's the inspector's name? What's the inspection you're going to do? Like, I'm not kidding five times to the point where I had to get my manager involved. And now he's not answering. And now he's not, you know, answering his email. And he's being very difficult. Which is really dumb for him because like we're in this real estate game for a long time. Clients come and go. But you're going to build yourself a reputation for being very difficult and I'm never going to want to work with you again. And you know, the day will come when I have a seller and he has a buyer. So we're in contract on that. It's going to close. My client's going to totally remodel it. With my input, of course. But with his team. And then so I'm going to sell it. And then we're in contract also on another home. Now, this was not a traditional sale. So actually, the owner of the house had his daughter, who's a real estate agent somewhere in California, not in the Bay Area at all, somewhere in California, like just put it on Facebook. And my client saw it. So that we're in contract on that. But that is also it's a she's great she's fine she's like normal but the thing is that the owner was renting it out for a couple years and the tenant left now most people would be like oh that's fine vacant unit disclosure great oh the tenant the owner checked that it's vacant great but I know the rent control and tenant control tenants rights saga here in San Francisco. And so that was not okay with me. My client obviously has a real estate attorney. My client obviously has a real estate attorney to look into these matters, but we had to get a written document from the tenant stating that he vacated and all that. And then we sent that to the attorney. So that's the most important thing because you never want to buy a property that says that it's vacant, especially if it was rented, without finding out if it was done vacated properly. Because I've had a situation, this is a personal situation, I personally bought a house. The There was a vacant unit disclosure. In the TDS, it was checked that it was a vacant house. There's no tenants. There's no leases. Nothing. There is even a handwritten note from the seller, not the tenants, the seller that he had baked. Vac- let people go. But there was a problem. Old tenants came back. We spent three years with an attorney buying them out, and then we had to buy them out plus attorney fees. Of course, we sued the seller, but this is just the whole thing that can be avoided. You need to get... I tell all my clients, if there is even a discussion in someday in the future renting out your house you must have a consultation with a real estate attorney in San Francisco because tenants rights here are very specific and you just need to know. That's it. You just need to know what you're getting into. So that's with one client, but with the same client, I sold him a house a few months ago And this is a really big project. It's completely down to the studs. Remodel in a lovely, amazing area with insane views. And I walked through the house yesterday. Like, it's a construction site full on. It's going to be amazing. And I'm very involved in the process. Like, I see the plans. And I run comps all the time. And I go visit the property all the time. And they run design choices by me. Mirrors, tiles, lights. How big should this bedroom be? What do you think if I add a balcony here? I'm They're adding a roof deck because I advised it. like And just like a bunch of other things. So that alone, that one client has kept me very busy. And it's great. Uh, okay, let's talk about some other buyers. I have so many other buyers that I'm working with right now. So I'm going to tell you all the buyers and kind of like what the process is with all of them, kind of what I've been doing. So this one lady, she just got divorced and is looking for a home. So she was referred to me. We had a Zoom conversation and pretty much the Zoom conversations with all of my buyers are generally the same. It's a lot about getting to know them. It's a lot about setting myself up as the authority. It's a lot about, you know, building rapport, showing interest, and talking about the process and educating them. It's That's what it's a lot about, telling them what their next steps are, what their next steps are, what they need to do, how this process is going to work, how I work, how we work together, and then I get the commitment that they're working with me and not another agent. And then we start with getting their finances in order because they have to work with a local lender. Absolutely non-negotiable. So I think right now I have one, two, three, four, not including this developer that I'm in with that I have right now. So that's a lot. So we have our first time meeting. They, before I set them up on like an auto search they have to they have to know what they're looking for. And most of them don't really know. They want like five different areas or they don't know what areas. Some of them know exactly what they want. But generally, I take them all on a grand tour that I take them all to every area that fits their criteria and fits their budget. That way we can narrow down some areas. And in this tour, we're also going into open houses most often I do this with the client. Sometimes I would actually, you know, I'm looking at the list 50% of the time. I don't do it with them. They do it themselves, but they make a point to do spend one weekend going to open houses in different areas and then they're narrowing it down. And then some clients, like I'm obsessed with one of my clients. She is a chemist for benefit cosmetics. So, I am obsessed with her, and of course, I took her on the tour and to lunch afterwards. So then they get financing. They usually are working with my preferred lender. Most often than not, one of my clients has their own let, Actually, two of them. One of my buyers is an attorney, and Citibank has like a special program for attorneys. And my other client works at Apple. And they already started working with a lender. But if I didn't like any of the lenders or if I didn't know them or if they were out of town, I would absolutely have them switch. Actually, one of my buyers, she's like, oh, I have this great reputation with my lender in Sonoma. I've worked with him on my house like 20 years ago. I love it. And we talked about the pros and cons about working with an out-of-towner versus an in-towner. And he's a mortgage broker and not an actual banker. Because banks give priority in the lowest rates to their actual bankers. And mortgage brokers get higher rates. So she, you know, had to look out for herself. So she decided not to go with that Sonoma broker and went with my preferred lender here. So anyways, after we're done with the grand tour, they really narrow down like what they don't want and what they do in terms of area. It's super important. And they're at this point, their financing is order. They're already pre-approved. They know how much they can spend. Then I set them up on an auto search when everything in their criteria, price range, budget comes on the market, they go see it immediately. And then that's how the process starts. So I have four people just on autopilot now because all the work has already been done. And all of them are super close. All of them are just like a house away. Once they find the house, then that's a different story. Okay, I'm going to take another sip of my tea here. Okay, so now, okay, I have a seller that I'm working with right now. So this seller was referred to me by my friend. So this is actually a story. A few years ago, I would say like five years ago, I went to this cute coffee shop on Fillmore and Jane on Fillmore. It's actually still there. You probably know about it. And I was sitting having like coffee and some food, probably avocado toast, like who am I kidding? And next to me was a girl I didn't know. She looked my age. At that time, we were in our 20s, probably late 20s and she was on the phone talking about real estate my ears perked up a suit like it was clear that she was in the industry so as soon as she hung up the phone i just like became friends with her i'm like hi i heard that you're on the, in real estate is that true and it turns out her name i can tell you her name turns out she is a commercial real estate agent. So she sells and leases commercial spaces. So we've been friends ever since. It's really fun to be friends with someone like that, meeting IRL. And so she actually, a couple weeks ago, called me and said one of her clients who has commercial spaces in San Francisco is looking to sell their family home. So I went over there, ladies, There are seven brothers and sisters selling their parents' home. So that is a whole thing in itself. First, we had to get over, we need one decision maker. I need you all to get on the same page. This is how it worked. I got the phone call. We talked to them a bit. They were asking me, how's the market and all that stuff but they've already done research on me. So they weren't like asking, who am I? How long have you been in real estate? Like all that stuff. They already did their research. The next step was for me to go over to the house and take a look. So this is like, so is a few, two, it serves two purposes. One is I need to actually see the house before I can put together like a coherent presentation on value of the house, on comparable sales, on timing, what we can do, all that stuff. I need to see the house. And the second reason is to get to know the clients, to build rapport, to build the trust, everything, all like that. So I went to the house, walked through the house. There is one lead sibling who has the authority to make all the decisions, but she doesn't have the authority within herself. Like she she can just make the decision. So I I did the listing appointment to her and her brother over Zoom. It gave my opinion of value. This is what the house could be worth if we do this and all that stuff. So they had to think about it for a couple of weeks actually. And they came back with me and said, hey, our bottom line is 2.2 or else we're not selling. And I'm like, great, you need to completely like, Really remodel a house because their parents live there. They haven't really done any work to the place in a really, really long time. So it looks super dated on the outside, super ugly. There needs a lot of work to be done. So I went over there with my stager and we made a whole list of repairs and they are getting their act together. So that is my cellar. So as you've heard for the last 20 minutes it's been busy had a lot of stuff going on a lot of showings a lot of meetings a lot of doing comparable market analysis for clients to determine offers a lot of being in transactions dealing with the listing agents like a lot of stuff so with that said I want to move on. My passion is still educating women on buying and owning real estate because I actually did questions on my Instagram yesterday. Why do you think that successful women don't buy real estate? Do you want to buy real estate? What is holding you back? And the number one reason is like, I don't know how to get started. Like, what is my first step? I don't know. Can I even afford it? Do I even want it? What do I do first? And it's like, ladies, you know, kind of what to do. You just don't have the confidence to do it or you don't understand real estate. It's like this big thing that you just don't understand. I have built a super fun, vibey, easy online course designed specifically for women to walk you through the steps of buying your first house. And the first step is not what you think. It's not getting your financing in order like a lot of people think it's getting a mortgage. It's not that. Your first step is thinking about yourself, self-reflecting on the woman you want to be, the life you want to have. Do you really want to buy real estate now? All of the stuff so if your excuse to yourself honey is you don't know how to get started so you're just gonna put it off you have no excuse because i have made the course for you and this podcast and my blog but that stuff if you just listen to my podcast my blog it doesn't put the whole steps together for you you have to figure it out yourself if you watch YouTube, my YouTube videos, like you still have to figure out the steps for yourself, but in this course, literally, this is step one. This is what you do. Step two. Step three. There's 10 videos, ladies. And also, when you buy the course, I personally reach out to you and we can personally have a one-on-one call. So... Just wanted to let you know that I'm going to link it in the show notes. It's also on my Instagram bio. Like, it's very easy to find marinaschifferman.com. Like, I'm here for you, ladies. That's what I'm here for. Like, I'm here to inspire and motivate and empower, educate women to buy real estate because real estate is the best investment in my book. Absolutely. In the short term, real estate prices can go up and down. In the long term, it's just going to go up. So that's my cute ladies. I am off and I love you all. I hope you have a wonderful day and it would really, really mean a lot to me if you left a comment on this podcast. Okay. See you later. Bye.